AviationPros.com is the portal website for AMT, airport business, and ground support worldwide magazines. Visit daily for breaking news, industry blogs, and insightful articles from our magazine's editorial team. And don't forget to sign up for our publication's daily e-newsletters. It's all at AviationPros.com. Welcome to the Aviation Pros Podcast's annual year in review show. I'm Walker Yarrow, assistant editor for Aviation Pros, and I'm joined in this episode by Joe Petrie, editor for Airport Business, Josh Smith, editor of Ground Support Worldwide, and Jennifer Wilbershide, editor of Aircraft Maintenance Technology. As part of our look back on the year, we touch on the developments of the COVID 19 pandemic passenger unruliness in airports, the rise of sustainable initiatives across the industry, air cargo's continued growth, and much, much more. For over 40 minutes, we go over all the highlights of the past year and give our predictions for the year ahead. As always, thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Joe, Josh, Jennifer, thank you all for taking the time out of your schedules to do what's becoming our annual year in review show. 2021 was an eventful year in a number of ways for the aviation industry. And to kick off our conversation today, I thought I'd open it up to just kind of a general discussion to address the the COVID elephant in the room before we dive into more industry specific topics. Um, so with that in mind, I thought it might be good to start by comparing and contrasting where we were this year in 2020, what we knew then about COVID and what the predictions we had for 2021 were. So Joe, I'll kick my first question here off to you. Were our expectations met? Did we exceed them? Did we stagnate? Where'd we end up in 2021? Well, the answer to all that is yes, yes, and yes. Uh, The big thing was going into 2021, when we were looking at the year, we were looking at a year with a vaccine. We were on the precipice of this on a large rollout. We got it. Uh, It started in spring and it took off. And as the vaccine started growing and we started seeing a lot of growth across the board in terms of passenger traffic. And by July, it seemed like we were uh, well on our way to uh, putting COVID in the rearview mirror. Then the Delta variant came around and we also found out that there was a bit of a hesitation larger than we anticipated in the general population about getting vaccines. And so we started to see a little bit of a backslide as far as how the pandemic has gone. And that has also kind of impacted uh, air traffic as well. Now, that being said, one way we're in a better position from last year as an industry is that People who are vaccinated, especially, are still very willing to fly right now. The demand is high. Uh, Airports across the country are seeing uh, big passenger traffic uh, coming through, some of their largest gains in more than 20 months at this point, uh, showing that there's a huge appetite for travel out there. So looking at 2022... Uh, in, you know, hopefully as things will improve and start to improve more with the pandemic, uh, that we're going to start to see a little bit more uh, growth across the board. Uh, People are really ready to get out and travel again and doing what it takes to do it. So really looking at it from this time of year versus last year, uh, it's even more reason to be optimistic, honestly. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people get upset or down when they think about some of the steps back we've taken this year, you know, especially with the rollout of the vaccine. But 
honestly, there are, it continues to grow with the amount of people that are getting it. And it's, you know, people are just ready to travel. So I'm looking forward to 2022 and I'm pretty optimistic with it versus last year. Very good. I like the optimism. Um, Jennifer, I have this question here for you. Was there anything that happened in or to the industry over the past year that surprised you? Well, um, honestly, what surprised me the most is how resilient the industry became under such incredibly tough circumstances. We struggled, of course, and continue to do so, but it was amazing to see how quickly we adapted to get the job done in order to survive. Um, From rapid COVID testing at airports to virtual classes for schools and training classes to hosting large trade shows virtually and now in person, um, it's truly amazing to see what we can do when we work together. And Josh, my next question here for you, what is the pain point right now with the pandemic and what might we be talking about this time next year regarding it? Yeah, I think as far as a pain point is concerned, it kind of ties into, you know, some of the things that Joe and Jennifer have already touched on, Uh, you know, that being we've taken some steps forward, but have had some setbacks. We've still been resilient. We've seen this desire for the, from the public and a willingness to, to fly again. But what's the, the, the pain point of all of it is we're kind of getting in our own way in some respects. Governments are complicating travel with uh, varying travel requirements and documentation that's you know required to move from one country to the next. So on, on the one hand, it is good news that travel's returning, uh, albeit a little slower than the industry would prefer. But we do have testing available. Uh, vaccines are accessible to most. Uh, and all that's aiding in the resumption of travel. But with that said, you know, the the people devoted to this industry want to see that grow a little bit more. And I think to see that growth take place uh, next year, we may be talking about the way travel apps, you know, kind of developed over the course of the year. Uh, I think it's especially true if technology proves that it can ease the burden that's currently being placed on passengers, airlines, airports, and uh, even above the wing ground handling agents. Next year, I think we may be talking about uh, travel apps and how they've developed throughout the course of the year. I think that's especially true if the technology proves that it can ease the burden currently being put on passengers, airlines, airports and ground handlers to meet constantly changing travel requirements. And if, uh, if technology can prove to, to ease those burdens, then I think it's going to facilitate travel that much more. Very good. So sounds like we're optimistic and hoping technology can help smooth out some of these lasting rough edges. And speaking of technology, it's a perfect segue here into my industry specific questions I have for all of you. And Joe, we'll start with you and airport technology. You know, in 2020 with COVID, we saw a lot of these new technologies enter the airport. We had UV lights, autonomous cleaning devices, and a slew of different touchless technologies. Um, But in 2021, what stuck around? What was found to be inefficient? And what's the airport technology of the new year going to be? So the big thing that's happened is automation. Uh, it has grown leaps and bounds across the industry, It whether it be a touchless experience of people going through the airport or finding better ways to uh, you know, address operations every single day. And really, the big one with that has been robot technology. Uh, you see it all over the place. And it went from 
kind of novel in 2020 with the start of the pandemic of bringing out robot cleaners and disinfectors going into the airport to uh, you're really starting to see them in a much wider rollout across the industry and more people embracing it. Uh, they've seen that the technology works. You know, the LIDAR has proven that it's not going to endanger the public by having these machines out there. Couple that with the fact that uh, we've had such a workforce issue, you know, in aviation and across the country for that matter, that uh, robots and automation are just going to have to be the future at this point. Um, it's the only way we're going to get everything back up and running at the way it should be. So a lot of the other different technologies that about there, like UV lighting was, you know, that was a big thing, putting that into the uh, air ducts and everything like that to try and protect the public. That has stuck around. The major disinfection that's still there, it's not quite what it was in 2020. Mainly that's come to what we've learned about the virus and how it's been going around. I know there was a big anticipation on disinfecting all luggage in and out of aircraft as they were coming through baggage handling systems. Uh, that fell by the wayside. We're not seeing that nearly as much as we did. The threat wasn't as great as perceived, so it just kind of fell apart. And that's something that uh, the industry has lost uh, touch with. So the big thing that's going to be continuing this year is going to be more with robots. That's exactly what I see and automation. Specifically, I think what we're going to see is the biggest change in the concessions area. Uh, that has been incredibly impacted from the from the pandemic. Uh, first off, from the money lost by the concessionaires when everything started to trying to get back on our feet as an industry that they just don't have the workforce. And it's been very challenging to address. We were starting to see uh, companies like Survey that just introduced an in-flyer, which allows travelers to shop from their phone instead of having to go walk into the shops and they can have it delivered right to them or to however they want to have it get their product at the end um you know amazon one is being adopted by hudson and they've been trying it out at dallas love field which is just allowing people to do the quote-unquote walk out technology where you just wave your palm you don't touch anything uh i mean that's that's a big difference for the way we've done things inside the airport for quite a few years and finally too has been on the food delivery side of things it started with apps you know pre-pandemic it grew during the pandemic and now we're seeing robots like at your gate that are actually delivering your food just because it's you know more efficient uh pandemic aside travelers have really embraced it and they love the technology so it really seems like it's going to have a bright future in operations going forward well past covid and of course when we're Talking about technology, Jennifer, in the aircraft maintenance world, technology has really taken off these past couple of years. Some futuristic stuff in things like augmented reality and unmanned inspections of all sorts from the plane telling you what needs to be fixed and or people flying drones around the plane. And then there's AI driven maintenance even. Um, you know, how have these techs changed the way maintenance is done and thought about and what's it going to mean in 2022? Walker, that's a great question. Um, all of these innovations have been great additions to aircraft maintenance, specifically drone inspections. Drones offer faster inspection times, safer conditions, and more accurate data. Uh, drones eliminate the need for scaffolding, safety, rigging, and harness equipment, which allows the drones to fly to the highest parts of the aircraft without putting any person at risk of a fall or any other injury. The use of artificial intelligence with predictive maintenance analytics has been evolving over the past couple of years, but I feel drone performed inspections is really what will continue to develop and be utilized by more maintenance facilities in the next year. Very good. And 
Joe, coming back to you, and unfortunately having to talk about kind of the darker side of technology, we have to touch on the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. Um, this pipeline was down from May 7th to May 12th, and FBOs were really in the lurch with their fuel supplies dwindling while the pipeline was held hostage. What lessons did we learn from that attack, and what does the industry take away, Ben? Is there a renewed focus on cybersecurity? So cybersecurity has always been a big issue, uh, and you know, people might forget before COVID, it was actually probably the, one of the biggest issues that was facing airport operations in North America. I mean, that was just before everything shut down that, uh, you know, airports were getting, they were getting hijacked as far as technologically. Uh, Cleveland Hopkins, uh, they were, you know, they were held at ransomware, you know, before this all happened. But unfortunately, with the pandemic, it kind of took a back seat when, uh, you know, people were starting to worry about different uh, parts of operation versus their cybersecurity. So the Colonial, I think, was a wake-up call for the industry as a whole, uh, reminding them that, you know, this threat was still there and there's a lot of, you know, damage that could be done to airport or FBO operations for that matter, specifically when it comes to getting fuel. Thankfully, the delays that were created from that weren't as bad as they could have been. The biggest challenge when it comes to getting fuel in uh, North American airports so far has actually been the trucker shortage more than the uh, cybersecurity issues. But, you know, this is just another challenge that's on top of that. So they're really starting to embrace and look forward into some of the next generation technologies and uh, ways that they can protect themselves. It's, it's more than just a firewall. Uh, it's starting to look at, uh, you know, multi-factor authentication, uh, more training with staff to make sure that they are not falling victim to any of these scams, these phishing scams or anything like that, that allow hackers to get into the system. And really with the, um, advent of uh, the infrastructure funding that's coming in too, on top of the regular funding that's out there, it's going to present a opportunity for airports to really think about and upgrade their systems as a whole when it comes to IT. And, you know, I do anticipate there's going to be a lot more adoption of cloud technology as we go forward as well, because that seems to be the best option when it comes to helping airports uh, secure their data and uh, try and fight back against these hack attacks. And of course, when we're speaking about fuel here, um, one of the trends of the past year has been sustainable aviation fuel. Uh, Josh, its availability has really kind of widened. And recently, the first ever passenger flight using 100% sustainable fuel was flown. Um, what about this past year saw this increase in sustainable fuel and what needs to happen next year to keep it growing? Yeah, Walker, well, you know, sustainability has been an important um component to the aviation industry for many years uh, and it's certainly garnered more attention recently and I think with the shutdown in travel last year and kind of the uh, tempered return to travel in 2021 there's just been this additional opportunity to refocus attention on environmental priorities and on top of having that opportunity there's you know, pretty ambitious benchmarks to significantly reduce emissions uh, kind of established by airlines, airports, ground ground handlers, and other stakeholders within the industry. And there's some pretty um, significant goals that they're trying to meet within the next 10 to 30 years. And so with anticipated growth in passenger traffic kind of on the horizon, the urgency to reduce the industry's environmental impact is also increasing quickly. 
And since SAF can drastically reduce life cycle carbon emissions, you know, in some studies it shows up to 80%. And SAF is also a drop in solution, meaning no modifications required to the, the fuel handling equipment or the um, fueling components on uh, equipment and aircraft. All of this has led the industry to really hone in on SAF to help meet a number of these carbon reduction goals. So all of that's very positive, but there is still work to be done. Um, you know, SAF is still more costly than traditional aviation fuel, um, which has certainly limited the amount of SAF that's been introduced into the industry. But with that said, uh, stakeholders are working with governments to try and promote the use of SAF through uh, a few different functions like stimulus packages, loan guarantees, and other adoption incentives. And the good news is that there is progress being made. Um, here in the United States, for example, uh, members of the House of Representatives introduced the Sustainable Skies Act back in May. Um, this bill, for example, would provide a blender's tax credit for sustainable aviation fuels that demonstrate at least a 50% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions over their life cycle. And the bill also adds incentives for fuels that go above that 50% reduction. And the bill also provides some other environmental safeguards. And so that, that was a really positive example. Um, you also mentioned the, um, the first flight uh, that United flew with a, f uh, a full aircraft full of passengers using 100% sustainable aviation fuel. That was another uh, uh, great achievement uh, for, for the use of SAF. And, and last month, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Airport worked with AvFuel and Neste to test this collaborative uh, approach to uh, producing SAF in which um, raw materials in the form of cooking oils were collected from the airport, then sent to the production facilities and the refineries and returned to the airport as, you know, renewable, sustainable aviation fuel. So it was really exciting to kind of see a real life example of how this life cycle could work and, uh, and, and lead to more uh, sustainable growth for the industry. So with all of that said, there is momentum behind sustainable aviation fuel for a few different reasons. There's a little bit more work to do, but um, you know, that push to use more SAF is, is definitely growing within the industry. Yeah, it's, a, it's exciting times for the sustainable fuel and other environmental kind of initiatives here. And and SAF isn't the only notable environmental event this past year. Um, the first ever high-octane unleaded avgas was approved by the FAA. And Jennifer, does this mark a significant turning point for the industry? Or is our focus going to shift on other sustainable aircraft innovations like electric propulsion as we head into 2022? Absolutely wonderful question, Walker. Uh, despite the industry's hardships these past two years, the pause seems to have created a huge takeoff in sustainable aircraft revolutions, um, like the Avgas and other other items that we're moving forward. Um, the high-octane unleaded Avgas is one of many exciting strides in technology we've seen this year. Um, electric propulsion is absolutely one of them, specifically with advanced and urban air mobility. I have been receiving a never-ending amount of news from many players in this space. Sure, there are a ton of promising startups popping up in the urban air mobility space, but I have seen some established companies joining the air taxi revolution, such as American Airlines, Embraer, Honeywell, and even Airbus. Um, this isn't just a dream anymore. It's happening in this decade, and the industry needs to prepare for it now. Um, I think we'll see a huge uplift in all things sustainable and all things environmentally friendly going forward. Um, I think there's a huge push in aviation overall. 
And um, I don't think there's going to be one thing that kind of happens over the other. I think everything will move forward together and work cohesively to just move forward sustainably um, as an industry. Very good. And Josh, I'm going to turn back to you and and finally address a topic we've been mentioning throughout our conversation so far, and that's the labor shortage. Um, it's impacting more than just aviation, but but given aviation's kind of rigorous safety and training requirements, it has a little bit of a greater impact than elsewhere. So with that in mind, what will it take to get ground handler staffing and training levels to where they need to be in the new year as travel hopefully continues to rise? Yeah, uh, obviously labor's a challenge. Uh, it was a challenge even prior to the pandemic, but uh, following the travel sector shutdown, it, it hit the ground handling segment really hard. And the effects of that shutdown are still lingering when it comes to uh, employing people on the ramp. Uh, the fact of the matter is employees have left the industry to go find uh, work elsewhere. And many of those people just aren't expected to return to the industry. So that's going to put an even bigger hardship on the folks in charge of hiring and training new personnel. And with that hiring process, you know, the actual act of recruiting and training new ground staff takes time. It costs money. Those are resources that aren't necessarily abundant uh, in ground operations uh, at all times. So what really stood out when I was uh, recently attending the IATA ground handling conference was officials really emphasized the importance of retaining current staff while also investigating efficiencies for onboarding new hires. So it's not necessarily going to solve the issue of replacing some of the people that left, but uh, it, it definitely puts a, a larger onus on keeping those skilled people uh, under your employ as long as possible. IATA officials urge governments you know, to include ground handlers in wage subsidy programs to try and help retain uh, skilled labor. And they also suggested uh, competency-based training assessments and uh, online training formats to try and help speed up the training process when new hires are brought on board. And one additional area I found really intriguing uh, was this concept of harmonizing training requirements across the industry. And if you're able to accomplish that, then you could essentially employ you know, what they termed training passports um, so that um, folks who have developed uh, certain skills and have received specific training you know, could have that documented and have those skills recognized across all ground handling companies, airlines, and airports, and just allow, you know, some of that training and skills that have been acquired already to be transferable from one outfit to the next if um, people do choose to leave one position and continue working elsewhere in the industry. It would keep some of those uh, training costs down if you're able to prove that you've already been trained to handle a certain task. Uh, additionally, uh, ground support equipment automation can help with the labor shortage as well. Uh, autonomous GSE that can carry out routine tasks, you know, for example, uh, transporting baggage from the ramp to the bag room, uh, those types of tasks, that can allow ground staff to do their own job a little bit more effectively by reducing some of the repetitive menial tasks. and having an automated GSE doesn't necessarily replace the workforce. You know, you'll always need a strong, skilled workforce to carry out the tasks required of ground handlers. 
But if you're able to refocus labor to more important tasks, it offers value for overall operations, and it could definitely ease some of the challenges that we're facing due to the uh, current reduction in the workforce. Very good. And Jennifer, much like Josh mentioned with the with ground support, um, the labor issue not being a new thing to it, with aircraft mechanics and pilots, this is also not a new issue. But did coming out of lockdowns this year, did that help increase new pilot and aircraft mechanics students? And as we move into 2022, how can we attract this talent that we need so desperately? Absolutely. Um, when we did come out of lockdown, um, it definitely did help um, create a surge of uh, students in the industry. Uh, surprisingly, I'm hearing from various schools that enrollment numbers are strong. Uh, for instance, at Embry-Riddle, uh, their aeronautical science programs actually have the highest enrollment now than they have had in 20 years. Um, they currently have 2,500 enrolled um, across their Daytona Beach, Florida, and Prescott, Arizona campuses. Uh, as for how to attract the much-needed talent, uh, the trick for airlines and schools is uh, to pique people's interest and to get them in the door. Because I believe once they're in the door, they're going to stick with us. Um, aviation is a phenomenal industry to be in. Technical schools, airlines and high schools, grade schools even, need to raise awareness that aviation maintenance is a strong career choice for students to consider. Um, Tulsa Tech does a community outreach program where they visit about half a dozen grade schools and high schools each year to promote aviation maintenance. Um, even some schools are also using social media to attract possible students. Aircraft maintenance sells itself. We just need to push it out there um, is how I feel about it. Uh, we just need to get the awareness out there. And once people realize that, you know, there's so many different jobs and different avenues to go in this industry, we'll be able to get the workforce uh, back up to par of where, we, where we'd like to see it. And while the labor shortage has certainly grabbed headlines, um, when we turn to the airport world, Joe, uh, we've been grabbing headlines for a totally different reason. Passenger unruliness really kind of took off this year. Um, what's been the cause of it? How have airports responded and what's the future of the issue look like? Yeah, this has truly been a pandemic upon its own within the, within the industry. Um, just a little something to think about here. The FAA has gotten 5,300 unruly passenger complaints through the end of November this year. Pre-pandemic, through that same time period, that was 140. Uh, that is just an absolute explosion of the amount of people that are coming through. So that uh, that that are having such these challenges. So what there's it's a multi-factor thing to this. Um, right now, the big thing to remember is that the people who are flying mostly at this point are not frequent flyers. These are not business travelers. These are people that may have never flown before. Uh, these are people that are unfamiliar with the process. They're unfamiliar with how everything works. They're unfamiliar with the mask mandate. Uh, and it's stressful. I mean, even for the most seasoned traveler, you know, traveling through an airport can be a very stressful situation, you know? And so that's the big thing that's been running into it. A lot of people don't understand what the mask mandate is. There's a lot of people that have strong opinions about the mask mandate that just don't want to abide by it. And it's creating, you know, tensions before they even get to the plane. Now you add into that, that they have to go through security checkpoint. They're not sure how to do that. And then you add into it other challenges was just finding a gate or whatnot. Um, I mean, one of the things to, you know, that really shows you how um, 
untrained, I guess, is the best way to put it for the people who are traveling right now, too, is TSA has already said there's been about 5,700 guns that have been uh, picked up at their checkpoints this year. I mean, people that are, you know, that don't know how to properly check a gun before a getting on a aircraft, that's a sign of somebody that's not going to understand the process that they're they're going through. So it's a big challenge as far as education that goes into the traveling process. Uh, some of the airports have used, you know, ambassadors, travel ambassadors to be able to help people ask questions, you know, to find them where they need to go to help them through the security process. Uh, I know TSA has themselves have talked about ways that they can, you know, help work people through the process a little less, you know, take down the stress a little bit. I mean, it's really taking more of a proactive approach versus a law enforcement uh, situation when it comes to addressing this. It hasn't been perfect yet. And there's always the elephant in the room that we've been hearing a lot about too, is the alcohol situation. I know like AFA, uh, the, the flight attendants union, they have recently blamed the airports saying, this is your fault. You're causing this by allowing uh, takeaway drinks from you know any of your eateries and bars. And that is a complicated issue. Yes, alcohol has played a factor in some of these incidences, but um, you know they're not going to get rid of alcohol sales in an airport. I can't see that. There's just too much money that's involved there. And you know, ACINA, you know, they looked into it with their numbers. They came up with about 6% of all these unruly passenger complaint or incidences involved alcohol. Uh, but that is still a factor. I mean, even just 6%, that doesn't make it much, you know, better to handle if you're a flight attendant dealing with a drunk passenger on a plane. So I do anticipate there's going to be a little more thought when it comes into how alcohol is served in an airport um, and whom and, and, you know, what instance they get it. Uh, but that's going to be the big thing going forward between education and just thinking about these steps is what it's going to take. And then on top of that too, I know the airlines have talked about creating a larger no fly list, uh, which may also help because right now a lot of people might not realize, yes, if you get banned from a Delta flight and you get kicked off, you're banned from Delta. Now I can go over to and get on a Spirit Airlines flight or an American flight. And really they don't, right now as it stands, they don't share those lists. There has been a lot of talk about creating a larger list of no fly list within the industry. Um, and it's something I really hope to see take off. And I do see that being as a, hopefully a big deterrent for people that uh, realize that if you're going to cause an incident on a plane, um, that you're never going to fly again, not just you're never going to fly a Delta flight again, or you're never going to fly a Frontier flight again. You're just never going to fly again because, you know, you decided to act like an idiot on a plane. Yeah, it sounds like a multifaceted problem with a, a number of solutions. And, and Jennifer, sadly, this is a perfect segue into my next question for you, because another multifaceted problem here is the supply chain. How has this supply chain slowed down, impacted aircraft maintenance and can we hope for an end in 2022? Uh, well, the pandemic has created huge disruptions to supply chains around the world. Um, I have personally seen it in small items I am in need of at the store. It seems like I'm always on the hunt for some product I need. Um, and most store shelves are pretty bare most of the time. And that's no different for the aviation uh, industry. But it's doing its best to weather de the delays. 
Earlier this year, um, I spoke to Captain Lee Collins over at Paragon Flight Training for an episode of our Aviation Pros podcast. And he said the first um, that he first felt the impacts of the supply chain disruption immediately after the shutdown in April of 2020. Um, it wasn't just the smaller parts either, like filters or things you would need for smaller inspections, but engine cores and accessories, the stuff that you know is needed to keep an aircraft airworthy. Uh, at Paragon, he said that they normally run a four-week lead time, and now they're as far behind as 15 weeks. The issue doesn't seem to be getting any worse, which is good, but not getting better either. Um, now, at the major airlines and larger companies, those who have uh, the financial resources to go ahead and begin stockpiling these parts and ordering in quantity, um, knowing that there's going to be a shortage for a while, they've been able to alleviate some of the problem there. Um, the issue on the other side, the small shops or the flight schools that don't necessarily have the opportunity to hit, take these expensive parts and put them in inventory over time, this is who has felt the shortage the most. When parts are out of stock, it calls for difficult decisions to be made. For instance, for something like spark plugs, um, are the current ones usable enough to fly uh, while you wait for the new ones to eventually get there? Or does the aircraft need to be grounded until they are back in stock? No MRO wants to tell a customer that, um, but it's been the reality of doing business during this time. Um, I would like to encourage listeners to take a look at the October issue of AMT Magazine, where we go um, a little bit more in depth about the issue of the part shortage. And also take a look at my full podcast with Captain Lee Collins, uh, available on our podcast page. Excellent. And while we're talking about the supply chain, a benefit, you could say, or, or going well for the supply chain has been air cargo, Josh. Uh, we talked about it last year and the importance cargo was playing. And you could argue this year it even had a greater importance with vaccine rollout and other pharma cargo. Um, how is this kind of changing importance of air cargo? What impact is that having on the industry? And what can we expect from air cargo's growth in 2022? Yeah, where passenger traffic has declined, um, you know, we're really bottomed out in 2020 and has started to kind of trickle back in 2021. Uh, the cargo traffic has um, been in really high demand. And I think as long as we continue to hear about supply chain woes, we can expect air cargo to remain in high demand. You know, a lot of people are uh, turning to air cargo Um to kind of expedite some of their shipping processes, um, whereas they, you know, maybe would have, you know, went with um, shipping vessels in the past or, you know, other methods to get their products out. Um, they're trying to speed things up by turning to air cargo uh, when they're able to. And according to IATA's data on the global air cargo market from October of this year, the demand for air cargo uh, actually tracked above pre-pandemic levels and um, we're actually seeing some of the capacity constraints that have bottlenecked air cargo beginning to ease a little bit so it's it looks very positive in the air cargo world right this moment and um, I mentioned you know the, the faster delivery makes air cargo a little bit more appealing and um, with that air cargo demand was up nearly 10 percent higher in October of this year than it was in the same time frame back in 2019. And so um, with capacity constraints having been addressed with the use of uh, passenger planes converted into freight planes or the praters as they've been termed, uh, that's continuing to, uh, to improve capacity efforts. Um, and on top of that, 
with passenger travel beginning to return to some degree, that means more belly capacity on those planes for additional air cargo. So uh, again, that's a positive. The only thing to be, I guess, a little reserved about is if passenger travel is hampered by any government restrictions um, that come up with, you know, the latest variant of uh, the coronavirus, then it could, as a result, have a negative impact on the potential for cargo capacity as well. And Josh, I'm going to stick with you for our second to last um, kind of industry specific question here. And you mentioned earlier, you attended the IATA ground handling conference. And, and well, there, IATA said that coming out of the pandemic, we need to focus on the digitalization and modernization of ground handling operations. So with that in mind, what role is technology playing right now in ground handling and what needs to be done to kind of meet IATA's recommendation in 2022? Yeah, I think we can boil it down real specifically and say technology plays a key role as it relates to on-time departure. Uh, that's an important metric for airlines and ground handlers know they need to deliver in this area to keep costs down for all stakeholders involved. So if you're using technology to improve on-time departures, it's a win-win for everyone. Uh, obviously, technology can be implemented into ground support equipment. Uh, it can make the turnaround process a little bit more efficient. Or I shouldn't even say a little bit more efficient. It can make it drastically more efficient. And uh, technology can improve um, the organization of both personnel and equipment on the ramp to uh, just make sure that everything's uh you know, optimized as, as best as possible. Uh, Data-based operational decisions have already proven, you know, very valuable when attempting to reduce the costs and improve operational performance. Um, and kind of tying back into some of the topics we hit on earlier, technology can also assist with environmental goals and um, a, a more pleasant working condition for those people, um, you know, putting in long days down on the ramp. For above-the-wing ground operations, um, one of the things they touched on at the ground handling conference was using biometrics to improve the passenger handling process. Data presented during the IGHC indicated that people have the, the strong desire to travel again. And on top of that desire to travel, they have a, a willingness to share their individual biometric information um, in order to improve their passenger experience. So the groundswell behind biometrics is really gaining momentum. If the adoption of biometrics continues to pick up steam, it could assist with passenger handling for both entry and exit immigration, well as aviation security. And as mentioned earlier, integrating biometric data into travel apps can assist airlines and ground handlers to guarantee that the health criteria established by individual governments are satisfied. So again, the passenger experience is ultimately simplified and improved. Very good. And Joe, I'm going to come to you for our last question of this part of the show. Um, let's talk about the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, or more commonly known as the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill. It was signed into law November 15th by President Biden, and it's going to give airports $25 billion in new funding over the next five years, uh, including $500 million a year for GA airports. But the bill went back and forth several times over the year. So are airports happy with the final outcome here, or do they think more should be done? And what impact is the bill going to have in the new year? Uh, they're happy with it. I, you know, I have not met too many people out there that are upset with the way it came out. Um, let's just, you know, break this down. This $25 billion in new funding 
for the next five years on top of PFCs and on top of, you know, the regular funding that they have and the AIP funding. I mean, this is going to be an absolute golden age of airport improvement across the country. Uh, we've never had this kind of influx of cash before, and it's really the opportunity for people to uh, think big and to modernize their facilities. I mean, one of the th- biggest drawbacks you always hear about American airports is that we're behind a lot of the rest of the world. And they've been right for a long time that things have just been kind of stuck in the 1980s as far as our technology. If we're lucky, the 1980s in a lot of these, some of these uh, instances. So this is going to be absolutely transformational for the industry, I believe. Uh, You're already starting to see it. Um, Some of the projects that were out there, such as uh, Denver International, they just put another, they were looking to put another billion right into the Great Hall project that they had to take out earlier because of some of the concerns they had with cost overruns. Well, the funding's there. So it's giving them a chance to do it the way they intended and to do it right. So really, this is going to be a great thing that we see going forward. And another thing it should do for the time being is I've got to imagine this is going to help create a few more years of better cooperation between the airlines and the airports uh, because this is going to put the PFC discussion on the back burner for a couple of years. Uh, There is plenty of money to go around at this point and um, it's going to make sure that everything gets it. But the big key is that yes, there's the money to spend. Yes, there are the improvements to be made, but airports just need to make sure that they're spending it wisely and thinking about the future and not just improving for the sake of improving. Uh, I got a lot of faith. There's plenty of good leadership out there that is going to be doing the right thing to make sure that they are building better, not just building for the sake of building though. Very good. So that is all the questions I had for you all, but before we wrap up, I, I just wanted to throw one final question to everyone. Um, just what are your predictions for the aviation industry in the new year? Is there is there anything in particular you recommend people keep their eye on? And Jennifer, I'll, I'll toss that to you first. Thank you, Walker. Um, I think in 2022, uh, there's going to be a huge push to attract new talent for aircraft maintenance technicians. There may have been a slight lull in the past year, especially in the early months, as the industry was very unsure of the future. Um, now that we know we can and will survive this challenging time, it is time that we start to play catch up on finding the individuals to fill these jobs. The need for fresh talent is still a real issue, um, even despite the pandemic's toll on the um, MROs the past two years. Um, as an industry, I think it is on everyone to pull uh, others into our world and show how, them how great aviation is to be a part of. Um, I think you'll see that uh, all of the schools, just every, every, all of the industry, everyone wants to try to pull people in, in, into this industry. And um, you'll see MROs doing special reach outs, um, educational schools and training facilities, trying to reach people younger, um, just to try to fill the void that we're inevitably facing um, as far as aircraft technicians go. Excellent. Um, let's go with Josh, your thoughts. Yeah, it might not be a, a real surprising trend, but um, you know, the importance of technology is never going to it's it's never been more important than it is now. Obviously, we've had really vital technology impact the industry previously, uh, but I, that's just going to keep increasing as we move forward. You know, whether we're talking about solutions for passengers, uh, or if we're talking about the next generation ground support equipment, using technology to locate and track 
cargo and baggage, uh, using technological solutions for training new hires or implementing software that optimizes ground handling operations and the turnaround process. Uh, technology is going to be the key behind all of that. And I think the individual segments of the industry that find the most productive ways to utilize the technology available are going to find the most success in the coming year. And, you know, realistically, they're going to find uh, a lot of success long term as well. Excellent. And Joe, we'll have you wrap it up here. I would say the big things you're going to expect to see coming into 2022. Uh, first off is I expect to see a return in a big way of international travel. Now that uh, things have started to ease as far as some of the restrictions, uh, I anticipate our international hubs are going to start seeing a big boom in traffic that are going to be coming in. Um, there's a lot of pent-up demand, especially with Europe. Uh, that's going to be where we're probably going to see some of the biggest demands. Um, and also with the advent of a few new airlines coming into the into the atmosphere that are uh, looking to put service into the United States as well. Uh, kind of rekindling that lost uh, inter international ULCC uh, market that uh, kind of went away a few years ago. So it's going to be interesting to see how that is. Um, one of the challenges we might see this year is that, um, you know, airfares might go through the roof. Uh, airlines are trying to put together all the flights they can, um, that's going to be a, still a big challenge. Uh, there's still a lot of issues with getting a lot of birds out with uh, Boeing, and these are going to be some tough times for a lot of these uh, airlines to be able to meet the demand and also with the uh, lack of uh, workforce they have available. So will that hamper the recovery of the air traffic travel? That will be hard to see. Uh, people that want to travel are going to travel. Um, airlines, you know, they're smart enough to not overprice themselves out of the market. So I don't see that being the case. But could there be some people that get left behind in that? Yeah, it uh, might be a, a challenge. And that might be a challenge for some of the, the smaller regional airports that are, you know, have more of a uh, leisure market for the people that are going out of them. Um, in terms of airport operations, again, I expect automation to keep going, but I think the big thing we're going to see going into this year, especially with the new influx of uh, funding that's going into the market, is I think sustainability is going to be a much bigger uh, challenge that airports are going to finally address. They've been talking about it for years. Um, this was another one of those issues, much like cybersecurity when I mentioned before, before the pandemic, this was a major issue. How can we clean up air travel? It's a dirty game. Uh, you know, in the last few years, the electrics have been going up. Uh, Josh mentioned the alternative fuels. We talked about SAF things like that that are growing and airports are coming along for the ride in a big way uh, because they know this is important to their communities and they know it's important to them as well just for their operation side of things. So with the money that they're getting this once in a lifetime opportunity to upgrade everything, anticipate a lot more sustainability focused projects going into play in 2022. So that's going to be my biggest prediction when it comes to the uh, airport industry as a whole in North America for 22. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Aviation Pros Podcast and joining us this past year as we chronicled all the developments, innovations, and news from the aviation industry. We have a lot of exciting things planned for the new year, and we hope you'll join us for those too. You'll be able to find it all at aviationpros.com. But until then, we hope you're having a great holiday season, and we wish you a happy new year.